Chad was behind me the whole run, too. How's everybody's um, volume? Because I know somebody's coming here and turn these knobs. <laughs> Somebody. It's the ghost of Christmas past. Yeah. How's that sound? Well, I'm a little low. You got to keep it low for me, though. Welcome back <clears throat> to the 307 podcast. Um, uh, What's on y'all's mind today? Well, let me start it out with this. I talked with my buddy, my brother, Tom Wright. He called me yesterday, and he said, Blake, I just got to let you know, I got this cartoon in my head of this old bull, real skinny, with a ring in its nose. And he said, there's a, there's a farmer leading them around by that ring, and there's a dog running around yipping at everybody's ankles. He said, that old bull is Chad, and you're the farmer, and Chili is the dog. And he said, I, I know when Chad said he's pushing the cart, he said, that's probably right because I've done some farming in my days and you always put your weak animals at the back because they ain't going to do much anyways. He said, you, most of the time you end up dragging that thing that thinks it's pushing the cart and you put your strong animals up front to actually do some pulling. Did Tom really say that? That's what he said. What the heck, Tom? Well, he thinks I'm just a yipping dog. Well, y'all don't ever take no time to talk to him. He knows who cares about him. I answer Tom when he calls me. He don't call me. I'm going to give him your number. Dude. Well, please do. He don't call me. All right. I'm going to send it to him. <laughs> Phone works both ways, Tom. <laughs> you, you, you know, everybody on earth, everybody on earth should have my phone number by now. Blake blasted it out on Instagram about two days ago. Wait till I do chilies. No. Don't do that. I'll change my number. You'll have so many darn women messaging you. No. We were to put your number out. You know how them uh, megastars put their number on their Instagram bio and they say, text me, text me, and I'll get back with you. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't want to set you up a number like that. I'm not worried about anybody texting me or trying to call me, but I don't want nobody to have it, so I'd change it. Well, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to be straight up with everybody that listens to this. I don't answer my phone. Unless there's an urgent need that needs to be communicated in terms of life and death or some urgent business matter or... How do uh, you know? But, well, <laughs> it, it, it would it would have to come through me to a, through a text, right? Oh. So th there's, there's a few people that I answer my phone for, okay? Blake, Chili, PN, and my wife. Really, I, I I don't know. I, I don't do. Do I need to apologize for that? I don't really answer my phone either. But nobody calls me. I got seventeen contacts. <laughs> You've got like what? you don't hardly answer when I call you. <laughs> About every third time. When he does, he acts like it's a bother to him. Oh Lord, yeah. Hello. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh man, nothing. Just sitting here. What you got? I'm tired of talking already. Is it? But is it wrong to not answer your phone and, and return phone calls if it's a for? But because for me, it's a burden to me. It's like it stresses me out. Like even talking on, I only have one good ear. I can't talk on the phone on my left ear. Really? Did you know that? 
Well, I knew you had a bad ear. Yeah. If I put this phone up to my, I I won't hear anything. (laughs) And so, like, when I talk on the phone, it kind of gives me a headache, and it just, it's like, it became overwhelming to me. I used to be like Chili. Nobody used to call me. Well, now, but that phone, you're famous. That phone never stops. It never stops. And got famous. I I just, I I quit trying to, to keep up with it. Is that? Is that wrong, Blake? I mean, I really want to know. I mean, I don't guess it's wrong, but uh, you can't. I mean, I don't think it's right to not talk to somebody because you don't want to talk to them because they might. I mean, it might really mean a lot for somebody to talk to you. So if you look at things from other, I think personally, if you don't like doing it, it's important to other people to talk to them. So, I mean, if it's me and I'm in that spot, then I think well, that it would really mean a lot to that person then I would probably set aside like however much time, either a day or a week, and just say I'm this 30 minutes, I'm going to call some people back. And after the 30 minutes, that's all I give. But <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, that's that's a personal question, you, I guess. I don't, think, I don't think you can say it's wrong or right, but I don't. You know another thing that confuses me? This is the way my life is anyways, and maybe it's because I'm poor, a poor time manager or whatever, but it's, <laughs> it seems to me as if there's, there are very, very few moments of my day where I'm not consumed with some thing, some task that, that I'm working on that I think is important. Whether it's important or not, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could be going out and sitting in the deer stand. It could be writing this book. It could be what's important. Hanging out with Brooke. Yeah, it's like, like there's there's not there's no lag time in my life, mm-hmm. and so that's another thing that for me, I haven't figured out. It's it's like Blake. I do have to agree with what you said. It is, and I, I think you you can impact people, and you should spend time talking to people and stuff like that. That's all great. But for me, it's like, then when I think about that, what you just said, which is valid, I think, where am I going to? Okay, I'm going to have to, I would have to intentionally make it important and slot time out, take away from some other thing in order to make time for that. Well, driving is a great way to do it. I mean, you at least drive to town and back from town every day. You at least go to town once a day, right? Yeah. So you got. I'm listening to a podcast or or something. Well, then. don't listen to the podcast. I well, mean, that's part of. I think that's important. I think that's important for me. Then you got to wait. Like, <laughs> it's, I'm telling you, man. I mean, think about is everything important for you, and then what is important for other people? Are you just going to take in? I mean, you do give a lot to other people, in, uh you know, like through the courses and events we do. So that is. One way, so I mean, I don't know. It's just something you got to figure out yourself. To me, it's important for. I mean, I'm glad you're good at it. It's. I'm not good at it. It's just important yeah, for me to let other people know that they're important. Because not answering them or ever calling them back is. I mean, it's not even. It's not letting them know they're important. It's letting them know that they're unimportant, unintentionally. But that's what you're doing. But I don't know. I, that's just how I. That's how I used to talk to between 150 to probably 250 people a day. And so it's hard for me anymore to slow down and actually 
just have the conversation come even in regular conversation because I had so many calls for five years. All I wanted to know is what you needed and how I could help you, and I cared nothing about the conversation. And so it's been a struggle for me to actually slow down, enjoy the conversation and the relationship for what it is, as opposed to like, hey, you're calling, you must have a need. What? Let me know what it is, I'll get it fixed, and then this call is over. Because that's what, that's what I did 200 times a day for five years, just like, mm-hmm. tell me what you need, I'll write it down, and... And it's done. I we don't. I don't have time to talk about anything else. So, <clears throat> but if you carve out time, then you can say this just becomes to be whatever it is. But I mean, and this the podcast is something. Most of the time that you give to other people is to people on a broad scale, not one on one. And so, if you weren't doing things like the courses, the podcast, your Instagram stuff, all that's giving to people, right? I mean, it's you're like sharing some of your time with everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's just not one-on-one time, and so well, I don't is, really think anything's wrong with it. Is uh, talking on the phone one-on-one time? Like, I don't That's I don't like the disconnect of a phone. Like, I, I like talking to people in person. Yeah, I mean, I think that's better, but it, on the phone, it's still undivided, you and them, you know, not yeah. like... Like, they could ask you whatever you want specifically, and you would be there to answer it. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. That's just what I think. Y'all let... Y'all... If you guys are listening to this, let me know if you struggle with this, too. Maybe maybe it's just me. I don't know. But I definitely don't fool with, with answering my phone for whoever out there cares. Well... <laughs> know that you're not al- alone in that struggle. You uh, you also don't <laughs> communicate what's going on too well. Chili comes down every Wednesday, and me and we, me and Justin was going to run Thursday because I thought you was coming down Wednesday. I talked to Chad Tuesday morning, and he said, "Yeah, uh, Chili's coming down Thursday. We're starting a five day hunt." And I said, "Oh, okay. <laughs> when when did that happen?" <laughs> oh, just this morning. I, and it's not, he didn't call me to share that with me. That just came up in, in passing. And uh, I said, well, okay. So I messaged Justin, hey, let's, can you do Wednesday now? Yeah, I can do it. Chad said, um, we're going to record Thursday morning on the podcast, and then uh, we're going to hunt th- start hunting Thursday evening. And I said, all right. Well, Kat says, can you do this, uh, help me with the kids at this time? I said, yeah, we should be done with the podcast. I text Chad, what time are we going to record tomorrow? Oh, I'll probably be sometime tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow evening or something. I said, what the crap, man? I thought we y'all was hunting in the evening, recording in the morning. No, uh-uh, uh-uh, we, ain't, uh-uh, we ain't doing that no more. I thought, good gosh, son. Look, man, don't. Chad, he acts like people don't have nothing else to do, and they're just waiting on, just like, oh, Chad, I'm waiting on you, son. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, look, man, this guy has about just took over the freaking podcast. I like it. He has just about took. I, I, it's getting better too. You know, it was it ha, it hit a lull. That they it needed a revitalization, and Blake. Well, look, he's got his. He's got a new <laughs> boom mic. I know, Blake. Look Bla- at this. Blake is gonna freaking save this podcast if we just let him talk. Look, <laughs> first of all, my response to that is you don't need to worry about what me and Chili are doing. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> Me and Chili serve a unique role within the construct of this company here. I've been telling you to hire you a daggone team member 
that that works f- with you. So look, man, you don't worry about what we're doing. How does me, that help me what? manage my time by hiring a team member? Because what could they go pick up the girls while I'm working or something? Could I mean? <laughs> What in the world? If I had kids, I would let Chili go pick them up. You're dividing our company. You're saying you and Chili are a team, and I need to hire my own team. No, yeah. you're, you're part say- of the team, but but look, me and Chili do what the crap hey, we want to do. You don't count on me for nothing. You hear? <laughs> don't count on me for nothing. <laughs> me and Chili do what we want to do. We do what what we well, think is fun. We neither one of us have to work. You would like. <laughs> You would like to think that that's the way your life would go, that you do what you want, but you really, you don't. Oh, I do. Look, <laughs> I mean, if that makes you feel better to think at, you can think at the it. Difference between me, the difference between me and Chili and most other people is me and Chili don't have to work. I mean, you got to earn money somehow. You don't. I'm retired. Chili's got, he's got to work for something. No, no, Chili don't have to work. He don't have to work. I mean, I guess, I guess not. If he wanted to keep living with Jeff and him and keep driving that Mazda, he could find right. a woman to take care of him. Yeah, I mean, he Chili's a good-looking guy, man. He's got women all He's over the nation. He could find a that are looking woman. for him. Find some woman to take care of me. Yeah, what are you talking about financially? <laughs> you you just said too that we serve a unique role. What is that? What is that role? You can't even define it. <laughs> All right, <coughs> you can't oh. even define it. Mm. So whatever you're sitting here trying to get me, some me woman and, to take care of me and Chili. I don't. I don't need to freaking work, dude. I do what I want. I do yeah. do what I want. But <laughs> everything you don't tell him he needs a woman. He does what he wants. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Look, everything me and Chili do is is because we want to do it. We have that luxury. I mean, that's why I do. I mean, I'm trying to think of last time I did something I didn't really want to do. I mean, I guess computer work and stuff. Yeah, you need to stay in here on that computer and not worry about what the crap we're doing. (laughs) All right. right. What the crap are you talking about? Uh, Hey, that will make my life so much easier. The business will likely tank, but... My life would be so much easier if I didn't have to worry about what you said and you going off on your tangents and rants. And so, um, I mean, play- it's like cutting, taking the leash off your fighting pit bull in downtown Atlanta. It's like, <laughs> worried about that, Tucker. Well, speaking of what Chili and I are doing, we are, we are starting our annual week long hunt. Annual. Uh, yep. And we are about to lay waste on some deers. We about to stack some meat, son. Multiple deer, deer. We'll probably kill four or five this evening. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, four or five hours. <laughs> so uh, you know, a, a lot of listeners may not know this about me, but I am a professional hunter. And so is Chili. Chili actually gets paid to hunt. Yeah. And um, he's never hunted before. <laughs> but the, 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 if he were to, he would get paid. The, well, he's getting paid to hunt this week. But so he ain't like, never hunted. The definition of a professional hunter is someone who gets paid to hunt. As a profession. Yeah. And yeah. so Chili is a, also a professional hunter. Now, I, How am I getting paid to hunt? 
Just because you're of, getting your salary this oh, week and, and your job, and that's all I'm doing. your job is to hunt this week. Yeah, that's yeah, all I'm he's doing. Up, he's up, been over here complaining already this morning. I ain't going to be able to ship them shirts out down till next week. Well, because I have to deal with the people, the poor people that ordered a mandate freedom shirt two weeks ago and still ain't got it. He's got his priorities to straight. Yes. I'm trying to take care of the people that have spent money with us and tried to donate to a good cause. Chili, Jeez. listen, I'm this close to taking you under my wing and out from under Chad's. <laughs> I think no, he's fouling you work. up, man. I think he is work. fouling you up. I mean, so we, we're starting a week-long hunt, annual, 307 Project week-long hunt Last this week. annual. Um, <laughs> so, you know, hunting is one of the few things in, in my life, hobbies or, or, or passions, that stayed with me for my entire life. I remember when I was very young, I started hunting with my uncle's brother. His name was Jeff. And I would go over to... Joey and Phyllis's house. That's my uncle and my aunt. And they lived in a rural area, and Joey had hunted all his life. Well, our dad or, or mom or whoever, we didn't have anybody else in our life that hunted. Hunting wasn't a thing in our family when we were very little, you know. But I'd go over to Joey's, and I, I still remember the first hunting I ever did was coon hunting. All right, that's how I got into it. And then as I got a little older and I could go, got old enough to deer hunt, I remember asking my dad for a deer rifle for Christmas. And I was nervous as, I was a nervous wreck to ask for a rifle for some reason. Hmm. But he bought me that Christmas a Winchester bolt action rifle. I want to say it was a 30 out 6. I think it was a 30 out 6 black synthetic stock Winchester bolt action and I had my rifle and I'd go over to Joey's we'd get up me and Joey and Jake would get up in the morning Joey had an old two-wheel drive 1978 model Ford F150 the the floorboards were so rusted out of this truck that you could see the the road through the floorboard, right? And we'd get up in the morning. I remember getting up one morning and there was a meteor shower. I remember all this stuff vividly. But we'd get up, get in that old truck, and we would drive to Dickie's house. And on the way to Dickie's, there was a railroad track. And just about every morning, that train would be coming. And Joy would gun that old Ford, and he'd go around the railroad track arms and we just barely would beat that train because we know if we got hung by the train, we'd be late to our hunting spot. And so the first year I hunted, Jeff would take me out and Joey and Jake would go out. So we'd be on the same piece of property, but we'd be split up in different locations. Let me tell you how good of hunters we were back then. We had hunted all season, and now one of us had killed a deer. <laughs> by accident. Wasn't that the one y'all rolled up on? Oh, no, this is where the story's okay. going. Yeah, we hunted all season. Nobody had killed a deer. That's how it goes. No, that ain't <laughs> how it's supposed to go. I went I went three days ago and seen six. How many did you kill? I could have killed four. I didn't kill any of them, though, because I've been waiting on our could've. annual hunt. Could have. All right. 
Um, until the last day of the season, it was January first. That was used to be the last day of the season every year, and we had gotten done with our hunt. We'd set all morning. We hunted off the ground back then too. We didn't have tree stands. I mean, we were old school. Walmart coveralls on the ground. None of this scent control. None of this crap, man. A lot simpler. We just went out and sat on the freaking ground. Yeah. Which is a little, it's not very effective. <laughs> I mean, last day of the season, we get done with our hunt. I'm in the truck. Me and Jeff had the truck. We get in the truck. We're headed across the pasture. This place we used to hunt was a bunch of cow pastures with little bits of woods on it. And we're headed out across the cow pasture to go and pick up Jake and Joey. And we look out all the way across this cow pasture. I think it was like 200 yards or something. It was a long ways. Um, And there's some deer. First deer I had seen like gold wasn't it it was like holy crap there's deer so jeff's like get out get out of the truck and shoot them and so i jump out the truck man throw this old winchester rifle it was a new winchester rifle uh i don't think i'd ever even shot this thing you remember back in the day when, when we used to get rifles we would just bore sight. We'd take them down to the hunting store, and they would bore sight them, and we would just call it good. Yep. We wouldn't even go out and shoot them. And so, yep. I throw this Winchester rifle. I'm like, I'm, I'm like maybe 12, 13 years old. I don't remember exactly. I didn't have nowhere near having a driver's license or anything. I throw it over the hood of this old truck, and I could barely see the deer on the other side of the field, even through the scope. Right. So I I found deer in my scope. Like as soon as deer came into my scope, I pulled the trigger. Oh, <laughs> right? Fist brown is down. I thought out. That was it. Don't didn't, matter. Didn't know where I was aiming hitting the deer at. Didn't know what it was. I just knew it was deer in the scope. Boom. So I'm like, all right, I popped the shot off. I'm amped up, dude. We get in the in the vehicle. All the deer run off. We get in the vehicle, drive across the cow pasture to where I had shot at the deer. And we get out of the truck where, you know, by this time, Joey and Jake have emerged. They heard the shot, came up to where we were at. And we're all looking, looking, looking. No blood, nothing anywhere. But we're still just kind of searching the area. And Joey and Jake find the deer. And we went down there. And I had hit that darn deer square in the chest. The front of the chest. I don't know how I hit anything. But I had hit it square. That's a small target, man. The front of a deer's chest is only about a foot wide. Is that darn boar sight you had? (laughs) That was your luck. I did that joker right in the chest, and there it laid, and it was a little button buck. Weighed about 70 pounds. Little button buck. But, son, you would have thought I had killed old Mossy. Oh, yeah. Speaking of old Mossy, I used to have a DVD mm-hmm. called Old Mossy. 
And it was just some hunting DVD that some guys had went out and filmed and they didn't even kill no deer. It was, it would just be scenes of them sitting on the ground rattling antlers. And then it would cut to a, some pre-roll footage of a big buck, like walking across the screen. Right. And they had called him old mossy. They had a song that went with it. They had a song that went with it. And it was like the story of trying to kill. We, we would watch old mossy. I I would watch it just over and over again. Right. But you would have thought that I would have killed old mossy. And so that was the first deer. Uh, Jacob hadn't killed a deer yet. And it was last day of season. We brought, you know, it's a huge ceremony. You know, you bring it oh, yeah. back. And Joey had had an old set of cross ties in the backyard where you could hang the deer from. We hung the deer up. Didn't gut it. Just skinned it. Got the hind quarters and the back straps and the front quarters off. That's all you used to get off the deer. You didn't. We didn't even gut them for some reason. Um, you didn't need to. You wouldn't, I mean... Yeah, I mean, now I gut all my deer now. Just, I gut them in the woods so that they're easier to drag out. You take a lot of weight out of them when you do that. And the guts don't go to waste. Yeah. If you can gut a deer in the woods. You go back a week later, there will not be any guts. Less than that. When I killed Big Diddy last season, we gutted him. I went back the next day to get my tree stand. The guts were gone. The whole gut pile was gone. We killed a deer on uh, on. Don's land over there at the old farm he had and gut for whatever reason um dad suggested we gut him down at the creek <laughs> pollute the water source i was young so we we got it down at the creek and he said wait here with this deer i'm gonna go get the truck i don't know why we even gutted it but while he went to get the truck coyotes had come in within the time it took him to go get the truck and come down and they were probably 50 yards on the other side of the creek bank Dang. And I could shine my light and seen those four or five of them over there had come in. Could smell it. So that's crazy, man. That's never happened to me before. Yeah. That quick. I killed a deer in Virginia two years ago. And I drug him out to the road. The, it was a, 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 like a, a, a woods road, right? A fire road. I drug him out to the road to get him out of the thick brush. And I gutted him right there in the road. And I left. And I went home. The next day, I got to thinking, I probably ought to go get that gut pile out of that road because this it was a hunting club. So the other people driving up down the road, I thought, man, I better get that gut pile out of the road. I didn't want people to know where I was hunting back in there anyways. That's how clubs are. If you're in a hunting club and somebody figures out you've got a spot where you're seeing a lot of deer, uh, they'll slip on in there when they know you're not there. <laughs> so I was going, I went back out there the next morning to just kick that gut pile out of the road. And I swear to you, I've never seen nothing like this. A bear had come in there and eat that gut pile, but it had given the bear a bellyache. And there was a swath of probably a, I'm going to say a 20-foot radius of diarrhea from that bear. Bear crap. Just like, oh, just, I mean, turbulent mud bear crap you ever seen in your life but something was in them guts that give that bear a bellyache and he just sat there and crapped his brains out while he continued to eat the gut pile i, mean, I wish i would have had that on deer camera man i mean this is speculation 
that that's how that went down. Well, there was a radius of bear crap surrounding a pile of deer guts that was gone. Uh, picture it didn't happen. Something happened. You remember old, uh, you remember old, I don't even remember what we called him, that big old bear we got on camera. Oh my gosh, yeah. <clears throat> that was, that joker was a monster. Yeah. Huge. Tell the story of your bear hunt. So, all right, Blake coming down. This place I used to hunt, I'm going to let Blake tell the story. This place I used to hunt was literally infested with bears. I mean, in the summertime, you couldn't even go in there and coon hunt at night because the bears would be so thick with cubs. They would block you from going, walking to your dog. And um, so I had got this bear on camera. This joker was probably every bit of 600 pounds. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about every bit of 600 pounds. He would have been nearly a state record. So big, his, his belly almost was dragging the ground. And it wasn't a, it, it was a boar. It was not a sow. You could tell by his head, and he was just huge. And so I said, Blake, you got to come up here and bear hunt with me. So he come up. Tell him about how your bear hunt went. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I hunted that spot about three mornings, three or four mornings. Every morning I was up there, and we'd get up every morning. And I remember because the other day I eat some, we'd get up every morning and cut us a slice of that that pumpkin bread mama made, and yeah. we'd put it on broil in the oven with a big uh, thing of butter on top. And that would be our breakfast. And we'd go out and hunt. And I remember Chad telling me that the mosquitoes was bad up there. <laughs> and I thought, well, I've been in some bad mosquitoes. I ain't, I ain't really, yeah, it don't really matter to me. And so I go up there, and they ain't that bad around this house. And I go out... <clears throat> To walk into my stand down this thick. Uh, I had cut a lane. He had cut a lane, and you might as well had been walking down the hallway of your house uh, that's about two feet wide because that's how thick everything was. And I had this seat pad that I was sitting on up in the ladder stand, and I get walking down that trail, and the mosquitoes are so thick. I'm literally, I have to close my mouth. And I can't open my eyes because a couple of them got in my eyes like a gnat would. So you got to squint your eyes like this and keep your mouth closed. And I remember getting that uh, that seat pad and I would do a fan in front of my face. And then I could walk about two steps and they would be right back on me. But you get up in the stand and there's no mosquitoes. It's uh, Apparently there's different kinds. So the, the kind that were just thriving out there were the low liars. Mm -hmm. And you get up high and they, they wouldn't bother you. So I, I get up in my stand and I'm fine. And I'm hunting one morning. And when you're hunting, you always listen. When something, the leaves start rustling or the stick a stick breaks or something. But eventually you figure out, well, most of the time it's a squirrel. But I heard this, these leaves <laughs> rustling. I got I to gotta hit the head while you finish this. The leaves were rustling, and I thought, dang. I look over there and didn't see nothing, I, and I wouldn't hear it for a second, and I'd stop. And then the leaves started rustling again, and this went on. I bet it went on for 10 or 15 minutes. And Are you not wondering what the heck? I mean, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking like, at first I thought it was like a squirrel or a bird. You know, they'll get in the leaves or something. And so... This goes on, and I keep looking over there. I don't see nothing. And eventually, 
something gets close enough that I think, good gosh, there that's whatever whatever's making this noise, that's what it is. And it's it's kind of thick, like I say. And as I start looking, all I can see is this black cloud. If you've ever watched um what's that reality show uh uh Lost on TV or not reality show, just TV show, there's this black cloud that goes through there. And that's what it looks like. It's this black cloud. It's about the size of a bowling ball coming through the woods. And it finally gets so close, almost up under my stand. And it's a box turtle that had trekked across the lowlands of Virginia. And it's got this swath of mosquitoes just tearing. It was the mosquitoes were so bad on that box turtle. I couldn't even tell what it was till it was probably 10 yards from me. And then I could see that it was a turtle. That sounds worse than the hellhole. It was, I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> and I did see one bear while I was up there hunting, a little young bear. Yeah. And I decided to hold off in hopes of... Uh, they had to be 100 pounds or more to yeah. shoot them up there. Yeah. Were, I, were we bow hunting? Yeah, we were bow hunting. No, huh? I had a shotgun. Okay, yeah. But I was hoping... <laughs> Big fat nasty was gonna come through there. Boy, that joker was a terrible unit with his low hanging belly. He like, was a terrible unit. You see some of them in town around here sometimes. Hey, uh, w- look, when he talks about them mosquitoes up there, I mean, it, so what had happened was a hurricane had hit. Um, not uh, probably about two weeks before Blake came up to bear hunt, and it flooded all uh, southeastern Virginia. And, and also northeastern North Carolina, Outer Banks and mm. and uh, Suffolk and all those areas there. It's nothing but a big swamp. All that was was a swamp. It was all part of what's called now the Great Dismal Swamp. Well, what happened was George Washington actually surveyed that swamp. All right, and they just came in there and they dug a bunch of ditches and they drained it. That's the only reason anybody even lives in that area anymore. There's no high ground. It's just a massive swamp. And the areas that people live, they're they're just there because the swamp has been drained to a certain extent. Now, um, the weirdest place in the world. There's a lake out there called Lake Drummond, and it's it's a natural lake. One of the I think it's the only natural lake in Virginia. It's weird. It's just like a big sinkhole. But a hurricane had hit and flooded everything. And apparently mosquito eggs can stay, they like, when mosquito lays eggs, they are preserved for multiple years. Outside of water. Outside of water. And then if water hits them, they hatch. My buddy told me, my buddy worked for the mosquito people there. That's crazy. In, in, in Suffolk. That. And he told me this. So what had happened was literally years worth of mosquitoes hatched all over the course of a week. And it's just like he said, you, you you don't believe this? No. But but if you walked out there, you could not open your mouth or your mouth would fill with mosquitoes. No. I mean, you think I'm exaggerating about that turtle and about walking to the stand. I, I ain't telling a joke. That is mm-hmm. how that's how covered up he was, that turtle was. And I literally, you couldn't open your eyes, or you would be trying to dig them out of your eyes. Well, that's you. that's thicker than the hellhole. But okay, yeah. So the the hellhole, <laughs> but the hellhole also has blood sucking gnats. Yeah, and also has BSGs. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, BS. Yeah, G. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <Come> uh, <on. laughs> 
I mean, you could spell Nat. How do you spell Nat? I would spell Nat N A T. Well, well, that would be incorrect. <laughs> um, and also, the hellhole has killer hornets. Yeah, living in the door of a Connex box. Yeah. So that's what made the hellhole so rough. Was it had really thick mosquitoes, not as thick as what you had, Blake. Yeah, but it also had blood sucking gnats and killer hornets. There was something else there all too. in one place. Ants. Ants. <laughs> in my tent. Yeah. Oh, th- th- those ants <laughs> followed us all the way to Sapelo Island. I they were they in did. our gear, and I when we unpacked did. our gear, they were still in the gear. They followed you, or <laughs> well, they wrote. The- <laughs> They rode with us. They swam one fast dance, fast swimmers. Right they now. rode with us all the way to Sapelo. Uh, oh, dude, gosh. you know, I was hunting it up there at that club, Blake. I, I don't know if it was that same year. It may have been the year after. But I had found this uh, nice buck. I had narrowed, I had honed in on him. This is the way I hunt, by the way. I just go out and, and hunt a broad area. And I'll hone in on a very mature buck. And then I'll hunt him until I kill him or I don't kill him. And then my season's over. But I had honed in on a good one, son. And I had seen him one time. And I probably could have shot at him. I was bow hunting. But I didn't. I didn't have the best shot in the world. And he kind of surprised me. He come up behind me. So, But I knew he was using that area heavy. I'm sitting up there in that stand, man. I've been hunting this buck. I turn around, and there's about a 450, 500-pound black bear standing right behind me. I heard him crunch the leaves. There he stands. I'm deer hunting. I got a bear tag. This is a trophy bear, black bear. I turn around and see this joker, and I had to make a split-second decision. Do I want to take this, harvest this bear or not? Well, I decided to go ahead and take him on out. I turned around, drew my bow back, <clears throat> shot this bear, knocked him down. <laughs> what? Shot hey, this. He knocked him <laughs> down. Shot this with a bow and arrow. Knocked him to his side. Why'd you hit him? In some, I guess I hit him in some bone or something, man. He just seen black and he turned loose there. <laughs> hey, this bear goes down while he's trying to get up. I put two more arrows in him. He eventually does get back up and goes off into some sagebrush with three arrows in him. With three arrows in him. All right, he goes out into the sagebrush. With this sagebrush is about six foot high. I have this on video, by the way. Well, I when a bear expires, he lets out a, a a death moan. It's it's a real thing. It's it's freaky sounding. Well, I heard him do that out there in that sagebrush, and so immediately after I knew this bear was down, you start calling everybody in the neighborhood because you've got a five hundred pound animal on the ground, and time's ticking. You got to get him out of there and get him processed. So I call everybody in the neighborhood. I, but within about 30 minutes, I've got uh, five people up there at my stand with flashlights. It's dark at this point. And so I'm ready to go in and track this bear to where he expired at. And there's an old man up there that had come up there named Reggie. 
Did you ever meet Reggie Blake? Oh, yeah, Reggie Ross. Reggie Ross is Hunter's dad. And Reggie was awesome, man. Awesome. Dude, just, uh, what the world? Uh, I don't care about that camera. Um, Reggie was, uh, kind of a legend around there. He, he, he was one of the original desert road crew, you know? And so we're me and, and Hunter and Brooke and big John, we're all getting ready to go off in this sagebrush and find this. Reggie ain't going off in this sagebrush. Reggie's been Reggie's been drinking all day by this point. He talks about all the old times. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he he's just there. Well, Reggie says, "Hey, y'all sure y'all don't want to bring a shotgun in there with you?" Yeah. And I said, I said, "No, Reggie. I heard that. I heard the bear go down. I said I heard it give a death moan. I said we don't we don't need no shotgun with us, right? Blood everywhere. We're parting this sagebrush." To the side, just to walk through it, you can't see anything. It's it's so thick, six foot high. So we're just parting the sagebrush. You can see right there in front of you when you part it. <clears throat> Finally, I part the sagebrush, and there that Joker lays, and he's alive, <laughs> and he's mad, mad, and he gets up, <laughs> and. Immediately when I parted it and I saw him laying there looking at me and he starts to get up, I just yell, run. And at that point, it's every man for himself. I've got Brooke in there. I've got Hunter in there. John and me. And everybody just scatters. Just runs for their lives. And this bear gets up and literally starts coming after us. After one of you, probably you you can't you can't see him, but you can hear him busting through this sagebrush coming in your direction. Finally, we get out from around him, and he beds back down. I assume, and we get back out to the vehicles, and we're like, "Oh, that Joker's still alive, man!" And uh, we got to go back in there on him and get him. So I took Reggie up on his offer for a shotgun. That wasn't Reggie's first time getting no. a bear. He knew what you should have done. So Re- Reggie hands me an old Remington Model 870 uh, with a slug in it. Bear buster. A bear buster, yeah, sure enough. Them old slug, 12-gauge slugs are, are bad to the bone. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, we got to go back in on this joker. Now he's moved. We don't know where he's at. But we get back on his blood trail. Trail all the way back up to where we had found him laying the first time. Of course, he's gone. We pick up the new blood trail, follow him in, and I park the sagebrush again, and there he's sitting, waiting on me. (laughs) I immediately throw that shotgun up and put one of those slugs right behind his front shoulder, and he couldn't tote that. (laughs) I mean, point blank. He, he, He couldn't get back up after that. No. And I sure am glad he didn't because I was right there on top of him, son. Yeah. And uh, you, I mean, this is this is why we hunt, man. Well, I got a question. Since you shot him, so you you were bow hunting, and then you had to finish him off with a uh, gun. Gun that a lot of people get bent out of shape about that, don't they? Well, it was down there, the bear season. You can bear hunt with a shotgun, so that wasn't illegal. Now that no, that wasn't a bow kill. 
Right. It's not. It a, was. It, a, it was a yeah, shotgun yeah, yeah. kill. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I could have let the bear lay in there and die. It, he would have died after as much as he was bleeding. It wouldn't have took him long to die. But is, I'm not about letting animals suffer. If I know that animal's in there and he's hurt, I'm going to go in there and, and put him and, and put him down. Well, and if you let him die, I mean, it, how long would he have just laid there then? And then daggum meat, you don't get none of it. Well, as no, I mean, as long as he's as long as he's alive, the meat is is preserved. Yeah, but I mean, like if you waited on him to die, what are you going to do? Sit, sit. Well, you'd have gave him an hour or so yeah. and, and went in there on him. Yeah, but that was a wild hunt, man. Mm. Yeah. Anyhow, we'll have plenty of hopefully after this annual hunt we're gonna host here. I don't even know if y'all like to listen about hunting stories on this show. Well. <laughs> so there might not even be anybody listening to this anymore. Not be crickets, huh? <laughs> we might just be talking to nobody right now. Well um, Is that why you asked if we wanted to record this? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's true. Hey, y'all want to record this? <laughs> well, I thought that's why we do it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I don't know. It'll be, um, I think we'll get some good stories out of it. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I want to tell y'all real quick about uh, Exoskin. Hey, Exoskin is is the company, the, the one company that supported this podcast from the very beginning. Which is why when Croy calls me and says, hey, man, I want you to put some word out for me on the podcast, I say, roger that, man, because they've been here with us and for us since day one. Uh, Exoskin actually sent me out a bunch of gear to use uh, for my running adventures before anybody knew who I I didn't even have social media. Nobody even knew who I was. And they did it because um, because they are good Americans and they appreciated my service. So they were doing it because I was a veteran and, um, that's just the type of company they are. They go through the extra effort to make sure that everything that they make is made from the ground up in America, materials, production, assembly, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's all made in America. And that's, we appreciate that, man. Yeah. We understand uh, how much of a of a challenge that can be, yeah. and and they do it. I don't know of any other company that manufactures uh, fitness apparel that's 100% made in America. Maybe there is one. I, I don't know of it, but we appreciate that. So Croy hit me up and told me uh, to let you guys know that they have a holiday sale going on. Actually, right now starts started November 1st and ends December 31st. Shirts and shorts, regardless of the type, are 30% off. All their tights are 40% off. It's getting pretty chilly out. <laughs> so yeah. the tights aren't a, aren't a bad thing to be buying right now. All socks are 25% off. Underwear, t-shirts, and hats are 20% off. Um, if you order over $95 worth of gear, you get a free pair of Exotoes uh, while supplies last. <laughs> Um, customers should add a note to their order indicating what size, style, and color of stock they want. We will do our best to give them their preferred choice. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, no coupons needed to get these sale prices. 
Uh, they apply to in-stock items. Yeah, it's a pretty dang good deal. Runs for two months. Well, from, uh, yeah, I guess so. Well, November 1st good. to December 31st. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a significant discount there. So, awesome, man. Uh, so, what I'm going to do here to support Exoskin, because I love them so much, and they've supported us for so long, and I just love their gear. Like, it doesn't... If you want to, we have plenty of companies reach out to us and send us free gear all the time. Yeah. It's just the nature of the whole social media thing. It's a byproduct of it. And people send us free gear. I'm not, I am not going to promote your gear just because you send me free gear. Mm -hmm. Like I have to, me personally, I have to be in alignment with the, the, the mission of your organization, I, I, that's important to me. Like, if, if you're going, like, do is your is your stuff made in America? That means a lot to me. Like, and and you also have to have top quality gear because I don't care how much you want to support me or how much you want to pay me or how much free stuff you want to give me. If your gear sucks, I'm not going to use it because I can just go out and buy the gear that I actually want to use. Mm -hmm. So we use Exoskin gear. So I'm going to... Uh, actually do a review for you guys on a different piece of exoskin gear for the next few episodes uh it, it, we've got we've got beanies we've got socks we've got tights we've got shorts underwears i'm going to do a specific quick review for each one of these products on the episodes right here i have the socks these are the exo toes the toe socks all right you guys have heard me talk about these dang toe socks hopefully before and I talk about them because these are the best socks I have ever worn in my life. I have a pair of these toe socks that are three years old. Like, and I run in them. Like, I'm not talking about, I don't just wear these to the office. I run in them. They're three years old and they don't have any holes in them. Where else are you going to buy a pair of dang socks that last for three years yeah. of hard use? Right? These specific ones right here are the anklet toe socks. So these are the, the lowest ones you can buy. I prefer these anklet toe socks if I'm doing uh, road running or if I'm doing running on, on some, some maybe nicer trail that's not super muddy or you know if I'm not running through tall grass or anything. The anklet socks to me are more comfortable than the cruise or the, you know, the, the higher socks that you can buy um I, I absolutely love them now if i'm if i'm in if i'm on some nasty trail or maybe winter time or something like that i'm gonna go with a higher length sock just so stuff doesn't get down in my sock but as far as comfort goes man it's hard to beat these anklet socks all their toe socks have the same type of fabric and build and 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 quality right it's just the difference in the height um so these are the anklets i love them if if you're if you don't buy anything else from Exoskin, buy the dang socks, man. I'm here to tell you they are they are the best bar none. And I know some of you guys might be weird about toe socks. They they do take a minute to get used to, but once you get used to wearing them, and you realize how much they prevent blisters between your toes and how much they protect your feet and allow you to spread your toes out uh, in your shoe. I mean, it's just it's, it's the way to go, yeah. without a doubt. It's like a glove that just forms over your entire foot. So, 
Exoskin, freaking toe socks are awesome. Guaranteed skin comfort, friction management. Yes, they do manage friction very well. Rapid wicking and drying, odor control. Yeah, that's another thing. We'll go into that as we review some more. But um, check them out, man. Exoskin.us. I'll attach a link to their website in the show notes of this episode along with a pro code. Although you're not going to need the pro code because this sale they're running is uh is legit. Well, yeah. Can they combine the offers? Can they <laughs> use know. the pro Try code it. still? Yeah. Try it. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> Try to use the pro code. You might get 60% off some <laughs> stuff. That'd be a heck of a deal. Anyways, this is um this is it. That's Exoskin. Uh, let me tell y'all about the um, GoFundMe. Oh, it shut down. Oh, yeah. I looked at it today. It said uh, it said this this organization is no longer taking donations. Well, I delete I deleted it because they sent an email and said, "Luckily, we don't have any funds in there." It said, "You got them all out." Yeah, it said your funds are now on hold, and I thought, "What the crap?" So I go in there. There's no funds in there to be on hold. We had Thank goodness. one donation that was withdrawn. So I quickly deleted the thing because I didn't want people, because we could still receive funds. If someone wanted to donate, we just, mm-hmm. GoFundMe could receive them. We couldn't. And it said, uh, we're unsure about how you are connected with your with your donors, and, and we need more information about this. So I just type in, I didn't want to look up the link. I type in GoFundMe Mandate Freedom to try to find our link mm-hmm. in, in Google. And it pulls up a bunch of links about where GoFundMe has deleted vaccine relief yeah. Yeah. things. Well, and I taking thought, them down. Well, there we go. So I just went and deleted it off because I didn't want people to donate money and us not be able to get it because they don't agree with why we're collecting money. And so I may set up that one. Um, give, send, go. Yeah, give, send, go. It's a Christian money collection organization for donations that don't... Uh, they don't even take any of no percentage when you give. If you want to give to support gives and go, that's how they get their their money from donors donating to them. So I may set up one of those, but anyways, I just uh, wanted it, to say that this beats all no I've longer. ever seen. It it, li- it it's literally boggling my mind. Uh, PayPal is doing to this. We we have stopped using PayPal. Yep, I, I don't know what the deal with PayPal. I don't know who is pulling the strings behind PayPal. This makes no sense to me because if PayPal was a private company, you would think that they wouldn't care how much money you moved as a legitimate business. We've entered all of our information mm-hmm. into PayPal. Business license number, tax ID number. They have everything that sees we are a legitimate business and we've chosen their platform to collect payment, Right. Well, they have, over the course of a few months, really probably six months, multiple times frozen our account for sometimes up to like 20 or 30 days to where we can't access the money that is rightfully ours that we have charged for whatever the product is. And and so we've stopped using them. And and I'm like, why would you do this? Like, you're making, PayPal, you're making a freaking killing off of us. Yeah. You're making thousands of dollars off of us just so we can just for us using your platform and you've you've ran us off because you're you're putting a hold on our money. our income. What did they ever say why they were doing that? Yeah. No, they I talked to them. They said it's to protect 
the buyer and the seller that if something were to go wrong, they since if, if basically I think they do it when they see inconsistencies in how much you're bringing in or the amount, and they say if something were to go wrong, they're going to hold that money to make sure that nothing goes wrong, and if it does, then they'll pull out of that. Uh, to make it right with whatever. Yeah, yeah, so basically, but because PayPal offers this guarantee, but that's not even legitimate. If they're offering the guarantee, then if something goes wrong and they've guaranteed it'll go right, then it's on them to make it go right. No, it's, it's on you. I know, but if someone screws <laughs> no, PayPal I'm, over and they've offered that, I know. I'm saying they're gonna say it's on you. Oh like, yeah, it's we're gonna pull from those funds, not our funds. But that's not. <laughs> I mean, that's just a total illogical reason. That's just I don't know why they would hold it, but that's the dumbest reason I I could think of. Well, they, they gotta track it. I mean, they have to figure out where that money's coming oh, yeah. from and where it's going. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. There's something weird going. There's something weird going on with that crap. Yeah, uh, and. and and, and, and this GoFundMe, it's freaking, they, they've canceled us. We, we've been canceled. Um, <laughs> but that's all right. You can't cancel me, son. Mm-mm. What y'all don't understand is I will continuously bring the full spectrum of my knowledge, my skills, my ability to bear in order to push back against the freaking crap that is working to cancel me. I, I, I will never stop. You will, you will not stop me. And, and so I, I will win, um, which is why I'm writing this book. I was telling Chili today, I said, you know what's really nice about this book? As, as I open my email this morning and see that GoFundMe has canceled uh, us and, you know, I, I look at social... My, my social media page, Chili calls it shadow banned. It's been sh- my social media page has been shadow banned. My my stories on social media, Instagram, literally went from twenty plus thousand views to three to four thousand views. I, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, look, I can make a post. It, it's crazy how 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 obvious it is. You, you can make a post that shares some opinion that's outside the parameters of political correctness, and, and it gets zero um, interaction other than from the people that have set notifications to be notified when you make a post, right? And then you can make some silly post that's within the parameters of, um, of the, the, the cultural agendas. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll it'll get. I, I made a I made a post yesterday, um, and like thanking our female team members for being the awesome leaders that they are. That video had like ten thousand views within a couple hours. You know, that's what they wanted to promote. That's what. But yeah, I mean that that's what well, they wanted to promote. It, but yeah, it you 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 everything on there is is being censored and controlled. And the beautiful thing about this book I'm writing is it can't be censored. Yeah. Once we print this thing, the only way it could be censored if, if we could not if 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 some reason we we couldn't find a company to print it for us, well, I would just go buy whatever equipment I needed to print a book with at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it can't be censored. Once we print it, what's in it goes out, goes we'll, forth. We'll round them up and burn them. <laughs> oh yeah book burning we hadn't book? started burning books yet um there's a book about that in there 
Fahrenheit 451? Yeah. Yeah. I've read that. How about that? Yeah. Get so, you, get you, some. <laughs> you know, that, I, and I, I, I love this book I'm writing too because, man, I just, it was so hard for me. I don't know. I don't know if, when, ever, I'll write a book about my my story in my life. Mm-hmm. It just has never gotten to the point where it just feels right. It just something about it doesn't feel right. But this feels right. It, it does. I I had the I had the uh, thought. I, I can only attribute it to the Holy Spirit. I felt in my mind, in my heart, something say, write this book that I'm writing. And I don't I didn't want to write it. Uh because because it's hard, man. And I think I I don't know what's gonna when when we do put it out, it's gonna I don't know what the what the response to it's gonna be. I didn't want to be even take that on, right? I just didn't want to take it on. What some the Holy Spirit kept saying, write it. And I kept putting it off, putting it off. And finally, the Holy Spirit said, okay, I'll find somebody else to do it. This was very clear to me in my mind. Say what you want. I'm just telling you how I'm just telling you how this was going in my heart, right? And when I felt that sense of, okay, I'll find someone else to do it, I thought, dang, I really want to be the one to do this. <laughs> Then I started it. <laughs> but it's it's beautiful to me. The most beautiful thing about it is is it it it, it can't be censored. Which I think is is pretty awesome. What do you think, Chili? Well, you know what you're talking about in the book. I like to talk about all that stuff and I like to talk about everything, but I've had this feeling lately of I'm I'm getting increasingly disenchanted with conversations that pertain to the material. I, I can't figure out if that's the right word to use or not. The material, the, uh, the dealings of the physical realm. Mm-hmm. I'm just about sick of it. That's, that's how I've always been. <laughs> if, and people say I don't talk much, whatever. But if, if you're not talking about, to me, those things don't matter. And if you're not talking about what matters, I just don't care to talk about it. Well, I know. I think they matter, but it's like I'm getting to the point where things are so dramatically, to say bad, they've always been bad. They're shifting in my life. They're, they're yeah. you know, and, and my perspective is the only thing that I have. My reality is the only thing that I have. My life is changing more than it ever has. <laughs> uh, and it's like, man... <laughs> I want to I want to spend my mental energy on things that that have eternal significance. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we spend all day debating uh you know things like taxes and what the tax percentage should yeah. be and immigration and and whatever the buzzwords are whatever the the political topics are of the day. You know, when you when say when the presidential election comes around and what's going to be on the, the, you know, five to ten 
yeah. bullet point list of, oh, we got to hit immigration, we got to hit taxes. Uh, uh. It's like, I'm so sick of even talking about that crap because guess what? There ain't an answer to none of it. Well, yeah. And, I mean, and, the, and the eternal significance of some of that is just not even freaking yeah. worth it. And, and part of that, I disagree with even me saying that because this stuff is important. I mean, we, we live in this world right now. So but you've got to fix other things first. It's like we've that. got to fix the greater stuff first. Yeah. It's like if we don't figure out this stuff that actually has eternal impact and significance, we're, we're definitely not going to be able to figure out none of this minor crap. I mean, it's like you're not going to come up with the right. I don't know. But well, it's the I, parable of building your house on the rock or the sand, right? Like we're building a house on the sand right now. We're worried about the construction yeah. of the house and it's how nice it is, but it's on it, sand. It's on sand, so what's it what's it really matter? I don't know. I can slip into this, but w- one thing that I've been thinking about lately and and this is my legitimate perspective, it's it's that these issues, the the what's going to be on the list during a presidential debate uh you know, th- those just five to ten bullet points that they've got to hit, and they're going to ask them a, an unspecific question about, and they're going to give a broad, unnuanced answer. It, it's like, I think all of those topics are literally just to placate the masses. Oh, yeah. To get whipped up in a frenzy. So you have a good divide here. Like, you know, the left thinks this about immigration and taxes and all of it and the right thinks this and they gonna fight it out why while republicans and democrats are the same freaking people (laughs) they're the same people man all these people they get so caught up in republicans and democrats and thank god virginia just elected a republican governor who freaking cares cares? i mean that ralph northam guy was the he was an evil i mean he literally talked about killing babies after they're born uh i mean he, he he did but, like, these Republicans and Democrat politicians, man, they're the same people. They they all operate in the same way. You out? All right. Doing the same things behind the scenes, man. They've got the same goals. It's just to enrich themselves, make billionaires trillionaires, the people that run the world. I mean, that that's, that's my perspective. And, like, Nancy Pelosi and... And Lindsey Graham, oh, you think they hate each other. You know, it's a Democrat and Republican. They they hate each other. They disagree on so many things. No, they don't. They both agree that they want to try to make themselves more rich and powerful. That That's point blank. This stuff is just side issues that Lindsey Graham's going to say he's going to take a conservative position on stuff and she's going to take a progressive position on it. And they're going to yik-yak in public and act like they hate each other and everything else while they're both just getting rich behind the scenes screwing everybody over that's how it works that's my perspective could be wrong a lot of people they really buy into all this oh i'm in agreement 100 i I mean with this latest election thing i've been seeing it all over social media like what a grand victory for for the state of virginia and this and that i'm like are you freaking serious man yeah like okay uh, the the book the book i'm writing goes into goes into the 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 root of all this yeah much because what what you're saying is is true also from my perspective is that all we are doing is clinging to the debris we're yeah. just clinging to little pieces of debris that are that are falling off of this massive ball of crap <laughs> you're currently you're, you're clinging to crap debris and though these these issues that 
that we're discussing, and, and, and you, they're, they're just debris. And people ask me all the time, like, oh, I, I hope you're going to present solutions. Oh, I have a solution. Yeah. I, I have a, 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 a most beautiful solution. Um, yeah. it, it, is, it, it is, the Bible calls the word of God the perfect law of liberty. All right? Let me read you something right, real quick. I, I, I copy and pasted this. I forget who wrote this. I'm sorry. I don't have the author of this. But here's, a, here's just a quick snapshot of um, what the, the law of God uh, asks for us to do as a culture, as a society, whatever. The Bible requires work, frugal living, and honest dealings. It mandates impartial justice, sound money and property rights, plus it endorses liberty and a limited government. All the essential elements of capitalism. Christ even used free market principles repeatedly in his teaching. Jesus clearly appreciated price signals and their role of incentives. The parables of the talents and the meanness offer sage investment advice. It is prudent to entrust resources to those multiplying them and extract resources from those squandering them. This counters the Marxist principle of progressive taxation, taking from the most productive to subsidize those wasting scarce resources. But Jesus used these essential lessons to illustrate spiritual truths, not finances. All right. That's the thing about that. that when we go down this topic in the book, where we look at the application of God's kingdom law and how it applies to culture and government and civil life, uh, we we have. I, I want you to understand something, and I'm going to try to make this very clear in the book. That I'm not saying that we should use God's kingdom law in Scripture as a stepping stone to achieve some perfect society. What I'm saying is God's kingdom law in Scripture is the only solution. It's not a stepping stone. It just is. It, it's like when God called... It's like this is a chapter in my book. It's like when God called himself... He was trying to describe himself in Scripture, and he said, I am that I am. He just is. The, the kingdom law in the Bible, it just is. It's not a stepping stone. It, it is the only solution. And that, that, that's my stance on it. And again, I'll go into more detail on this in the book, but I, I think when we, when we start to start to off, you ask me for what is the solution to all these things, it's like, well, okay, how about we actually apply the precepts of the Bible to all aspects of our life and civilization, and we're going to screw it up. There's never been a perfect nation on earth. We're going to screw it up. But that's the only answer I have for you, man. There's, there's, there's nothing that we will encounter as a civilization that isn't hashed out within the precepts of the Bible. All right. That's so. So that that's my continual answer in, throughout the book. And, and uh, again, the book will illustrate it in a much more defined way. But well, I mean, I think 
Well, when you say that, when you say there's, I, I need to, I wouldn't, if I reworded it here, I would get it wrong. Or if I restated it, I wouldn't say it how you just said it. But you said, I think there's issues popping up today with the, with how, th- that like, the, obviously the Bible doesn't specifically address them. Yeah, it's so, not so going to. That's what's difficult. It's for, not going to address the, the specific, the specific um, what it, whatever right. the issue is, but the precepts will tell you how to react to that specific problem that the nation or the culture or the person is facing in the proper manner. Yeah. Right? Well, <clears throat> you know, you talk about the solution. P- people. Yeah, I think what's what's worth saying about that, and from my perspective too, is like when people want solutions to certain things. That's what's hard for me is is we've acknowledged that there isn't any to 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 make things perfect on Earth. Like it never will be. Like we're never gonna cre- come up with a solution that will last forever. You know, on our I mean, other than what you're talking about, like. That will never fully be adopted. I mean, that's the thing. It, it, this is going to end bad, or, or not yeah. bad. I mean, it, it will ultimately just end. I mean, we've talked about it a million times. We're buying time. Oh yeah, that's all. Every you time, know. every reset is just buying time. And, and and you you know, there's a there is a quote that we, uh, especially in the SEAL teams, we lived by, in in a certain sense. And the quote is: a lot of you guys have heard it. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph mm. is for good men to do nothing. And that, like, that's kind of why I am the way I am, man. It's like, because I, I, I do I do see the logic in, you know, what you say, Chili, is like, why are you even freaking fool with this crap, man? Yeah. Like, I see that, man. But it's hard not to get that way. Yeah, is all like, I was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, and it's like, but like that, that complacency and and it's and it's essentially submission is what has to happen. Well, yeah, for for evil to triumph. So as as difficult as it is, as as much as I would rather spend my time doing other things that I enjoy, I feel a responsibility. Um, as a child of God, to to take action. Well, something does stir within me that compels me to act to to do something too. That like whenever it seems more logical to just be like, ah, screw it. Yeah, you know. Sometimes even it seems more logical. It's obviously easier, but it even seems like, well, if this is not going to end well, let's just, it, logically it just I'm gonna just throw my hands up. But something like I can't do it. So, you just got to keep fighting. I yeah. mean, in, in whatever way you know how. But the guiding principle th- that can be applied to the solution to anything is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. That really is the best way to sum it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just is. That That is the best way to sum up how to the solution to any problem, mm-hmm. ultimately. Now, that doesn't tell you exactly how to walk things out and do things. And, and do specific things, but that is what we're supposed to do the, the, to in, me. The, well, the interesting thing is, right, you know, and we had this conversation on our run this morning. You know, I, I do 
understand the concept of love your neighbor. Yep. Right? Yep. But right now... That's misapplied. Right now, like, it's not my neighbor that, I, that I'm... that I feel compelled to push back against. Like, right. my neighbor's not trying to... It, it, my, I love my neighbor. Like, so that love thy neighbor argument or commandment... Which I... You know, we how, fully agree with how, how like that is brought up so often when it comes to the conversation within the body of Christ of like, what is our role in pushing back against this tyrannical pagan, uh, you know, organization that is America and American w- culture? Like, can can I push back against them and still love my neighbor? Like, yeah. Okay, so stop. So stop bringing that, stop bringing that up and using it as your excuse to be lazy and, and complacent in in the right in the face of of blatant evil. Um, right. Why that becomes uh, like the 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 go to line whenever you talk about. I mean, you don't even have to take it as far as some kind of a, a, a rebellion against the U.S. government, but just any kind of pushback, people are like, they bring that up. Oh, every time. I, th- th- I mean, we're talking about two different things here. Like, what do you mean? You, you, when, I talk, when we talk about pushing back in this way and people bring up loving your neighbor, well, how am I not doing that? I mean, what, 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 about, what about me wanting to push back to the evil agenda that I see being carried out somehow nullifies the fact that I'm loving my neighbor. Well, sometimes I wonder if when you when you say love thy neighbor, what what does that what does that imply? Like what does that actually look like? So, loving loving your neighbor or your your fellow citizen or something like that. Does does that imply tolerance, forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Um I think it uh, you, you know, and this is one part that I really uh I struggle with in writing in writing the book is you know, Jesus Christ himself commands us to forgive other people, right? To forgive other people uh, because he forgave, he forgives us every second of every day just for the nature of our existence. And that's a commandment that we have. Now, am I obligated to forgive nations, organizations, governments, for their evil deeds. And so it's a hard topic because just like Chili brought up this morning, what what is what is a say let's use the word organization to just imply any organization whether it's a government uh the government of a nation or a certain sect of culture or something like that, a business like let's just use the word organization. So that organization is made up of people. Okay, the organization as the as a whole is the thing, the collective thing that is pushing the evil agenda or the wickedness. Do I have to forgive that organization and and continue to allow them to exist? Am I commanded to do that? Um, I, you know, I, I I I haven't really searched the depths of Scripture to to under to to, to know for a fact. But how does this even apply to my life now? Well, it, it's applicable because I'm looking at America, 
by the way, it's hard for me to write this book because I because of the way I have to use America. Uh, America is my home. Like it's hurtful to use that name in in place of some of these indictments. And so it you know should I just forgive America and and just move move on or well, I, or should it be dismantled? And and here's the thing with this, we say the organization is composed of people. Well, once the organizational aspect is dismantled, right, and they they no longer have power to push their agenda, the individuals that are left, the individual people that are left in the wake of that, <clears throat> uh, can be forgiven. Can be forgiven. Like I'm, I'm that's sitting, right. I'm sitting here listening to you. Like wh- why, why can we not dismantle organizations and forgive people? You're talking about. I like, feel like I can. Well, I mean, you're talking about like forgiving the organization. I mean, I brought up the point. What what is an organization other than a group of people? But when you talk about it in that light, you can't forgive an organization. It's just an idea. Yeah. I mean, an organization, if you broadly speaking, not broken down to the individuals that that comprise it, is just a it's just an idea. There is no forgiving it or not forgiving it. It's just it's like an inanimate object. It's not real. What's real is the people that make it up. You can forgive them. That's right. That's right. I mean, yeah, and and so where I where I'm struggling with this is in my own attachment and identity with America. The, the idea. The, the of idea of yeah, the 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 America, the 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 nation. So like for me to maintain an attachment to America that means that I have to forgive America for what America has done. America didn't do anything. The people that made up America did it. I mean, the attachment that I have to America is of the ideals of America. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Is the word America still a representation of that, though? Of those ideals? We tainted it. Is it stained too deeply to be washed away? See, some of these issues, I mean, I get uh, these, what you're saying. It's very symbolic. Like if you were to, <laughs> like like you said, tear down America and, and rebuild it. Restructure and, and you, everything. And you still called it America. Like that is very symb- symbolic. That's what I'm saying. And emblematic of what has been done. But like. And, and it's interesting to me because I, I use the, the um, I guess, comparison with Germany. What comes to mind when you think of Germany? Everybody immediately thinks Hitler and the Holocaust. There's the example of a nation whose wickedness was so horrendous that the name of the nation was stained so deeply that it literally should have just been trashed. I don't know why the crap they kept the name. Um, But, you you know, and I put that in the book. That's part, that's in the book. And I know what's going to come out. People are going to say, how can you compare America to Germany during World War II. How can you compare that? The the evil that is conducted under the watchful eye of America is immeasurable. I don't even... The statistics will be in the book, but... 
It's that, not how, in the public eye as much. Yeah, how many how many millions of of unborn children have been murdered under the watchful eye of America? How many millions have have died in the last two years under the look? This is a whole nother issue. I think that it is a plausible, very plausible thing. And I think that there there is also hard evidence that America is responsible directly for uh, everything that's happened in the last two years. They have oh. they, they developed a weapon. They released it in a very timely manner and literally yeah, caused that, like immeasurable amounts of death and grief and, and, and destruction. The people that don't... I mean, listen. How do you even... Like, you can't hold an individual responsible for that. You have to hold the... The, it's the organization that's responsible for that. It's 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 groups of people that are that that are, you, you know, that make up this organization. But I can't. I mean, how do you even put? How do you put somebody on trial for that, dude? I'm I, putting the organ. I'm putting the the nation on trial for that. Well, you know, a year and a half ago, when Trump got in trouble for calling it the China virus, I thought that was ridiculous that he got in trouble for that. But what was I telling? You and other people a year and a half ago. Well, we should. He, it's ridiculous that he's getting in trouble for that, but we ought to call it the U.S. China virus because we fund the same crap, the biological weapons research. We violate uh, the U.S. biological weapons code all the time. That was written. I mean, Francis Collins and and Dr. Fauci. I mean, just if anybody would do any bit of research, they would they would understand that all of this crap is not. What it is, is globalism is a real thing. And it's what's ruining America. Really. It's what it is. It's it's the rejection of nationalism and the adoption of a, of a global system that is being ushered in. I mean, it just is. It, it, you can watch it. I think it's more evident to people now that it's being ushered in. And it, it's... Basically, all that is people. People call you conspiracy theorists if you say globalism. It's a it's a concept of a one world government, and and we are buying into it. It's a very slow process, but that is coming. I, I promise. And it's just been prophesied. It's been yeah, written. Yeah. I mean. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm predicting that or, or anything, but like. It's so amazing to watch it being played out about the unification of different countries. And people think that sounds so great. They hear that and they go, oh, it's great. Global peace and cooperation amongst all the countries. And it's like, yeah, well, that is a good thing if that's how it looked. It don't look like that, man. No. We've got one world oppressive government over everything, over the entire globe, no matter where you live, no matter where you're at. And that'll result in... It's going to look good for about three and a half years. Oh, it ain't... <laughs> well, it, it's just... That is coming, and it, it's happening all the time with, with the UN, United Nations, and, and everything else. I mean, but... Yeah, that is why these things are being carried out. And I, I, that's just what it is. But 
I don't know. That that's why America is is rapidly decaying because of the buying into that evil agenda. That's what I believe. Like not that nationalism is the is the be all end all. Like I think federal government in its in and of itself is not a good, good thing and so many people disagree with me on that and it needs to be decreased. I say it all the time in size and scope as much as possible. So basically, you, you, the broadest you could think of is a global government, one world government. Okay, then what we have now is a little smaller, right? It's nations, nations across the globe. It's about however many countries there are. I don't even know, 200. And then, um, then a better thing would be break it down into smaller countries and, 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 and states like we have. Okay, and then you break it down even smaller and then it's, it's, it's cities, and counties, okay, and then you break it down even smaller into little tight-knit communities. Mm-hmm. That That's how things are essentially, quote-unquote, governed. Mm-hmm. The smaller you can get it, the better people's lives are because they have less top-down. All the way down to the family. All the way down to the family. Yep. That's it. So it, the, the, the smaller we can get, I mean, th- that's, so that's my goal. That would be my goal in a restructuring of America is to have government at every level, as small as possible. All the way, and the higher you go, eradicate it as much as possible. Yeah. That's that's the best form of it. Essentially, the best form of government is to not have one at all. But things break down, and anarchy ensues, and that doesn't really work or, or either, you know, over time. Yeah. But yeah, keeping it as small as possible is the way to do it. Um, we talked about that this morning on the run. We talked about how... Uh, we talked about how you, we talk about the United States, mm-hmm. right? Well, within the United States, we have we have a state like Georgia. Let's say Georgia um, has a completely different cultural system. It has completely different values. It has a um, completely everything. Certain parts of Georgia, yeah, certain parts of Georgia, right? Or, or a state like, or or Tennessee, or right? Then a state like California. So why should the citizens of Georgia be tied in and united with a common destiny um, of a state such as uh, California? And we talked about it on the run this morning how you could essentially, which is not far off at all from the original idea of America, you have independent states, but instead of states, the state is, the state becomes its own country. It, it, it creates, it, it's in charge of its own defense and, and, and industry and, and everything, right? And then you have regional alliances, with other countries yeah. like i mean you get looked at like you're treasonous for saying this but i, I mean i like it it's it's it, it is it, it's the but what's hard about this is for that to happen you've got to let go of your attachment to america and that's hard for me, man, because I like I served America, like it's my home. It's my. That's why I'm telling you, I'm. Ha- it's so hard yeah. to, to write this stuff out, man. Well, and that's different for me, like your background and I. 
that that's why I can't I'll never be able to see it like you see it. But to me, I've always thought of it as like you're going to separate and detach yourself from the idea of America. Now, America hadn't always been like this. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't always been like this. That's right. I mean, when, like you said, more getting back to more about what it was founded. Well, that's it. That's really what it was meant to be. The, the United States, each state was an individual entity. Um, and I can't speak for you, but I think that's the America that you're more attached to. Yeah. Attached to this one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and when I say this one, I mean the what the state of things, how they are now. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what was so, what would you know? You were more attached to that the 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 idea that hadn't been corrupted yet, <laughs> fully. Yeah. So, but I I don't know. But to me, that's a step away from the that global one world government too. It's like if you broke down America and even smaller. Yeah. You know, and well. These are the types of issues that I'm trying to tackle in this book. Yeah. You, are you going to write some commentary in the book? <laughs> what do you want me to do? I don't know. I just didn't know if you'd be interested in writing some commentary in there for the people. Well, I could read it and uh, endorse it. Or, might, or maybe not. I, I, well, I mean, <laughs> we'll see. We may have some... We may have some of Chili's pinned ideas in there. I mean, since it can't be censored... <laughs> eh. We can we can have Chili write in, write some stuff in there for y'all if y'all want him to. I probably don't even need to write anything. I'll just go pick up some of the old ancient records I've got written that scribbled down somewhere. <laughs> well, that gone. We went way over time in this podcast. We're that's, at an hour and a half. That's all right. Blake had to check out. <laughs> yeah, Blake. As soon as we started talking about um uh uh whatever, whatever. Want, worldly issues. Blake just rolled on out on us. Checked out. (laughs) Good gosh, he should have known better than that. Yeah. We could go on for another five hours here if we wanted to. Yeah, we we could talk about this stuff forever. May not ever get nowhere with it, but you really can talk about it forever because these, I I, I think that's why I like that you are writing something about it because it's, that way it's just on paper, here's some thoughts, not maybe, not complete thoughts about it, like, you're never done thinking about it. You could never unpack the layers of, of this in, in this book. It, you could never. It's impossible. And, and the scary thing about the book is also when you're. So if I was writing a book that told a story. Mm-hmm. There's an that, end. That would be easy. Yeah, because there's an end. The story is what it is. Um, you know, if you're if you're being truthful about how you remember the story, that's not going to change. Uh, and, and But this is so scary because you're you're hitting these issues like we've just been discussing here and perspective on these things is liable to change mm-hmm. oh yeah and, and when it's in a book it's um it's a great responsibility so i you know i i don't know it's it's definitely i, I guess i can see now why why i was putting it off in my mind for for so long but i'm I'm only five thousand words into this thing a little over i think but um i I have no parameters on length you know because this is this will obviously have to be self-published there would not be a publisher on earth that will touch the contents of this book i mean nowhere uh we could pay them (laughs) to publish the book and they wouldn't publish it with their name on it um but anyhow I have no parameters on how long or short it needs to be. 
I'm just going to rely on the Holy Spirit to let me know when it's enough. Yeah, and it's your perspective as, at the time of writing it. <sighs> like if yeah. you're worried about perspective or not, you think about your perspective possibly changing. I, I'm, I would actually expect it would, at least minorly on certain things. Oh, 100%. But um, I... If you're worried about that, I mean, this is similar to the podcast. Oh yeah, that you know, why why doesn't ever why doesn't what holds a lot of people back from doing a podcast is because you can't possibly hit every angle, you can't possibly hit every perspective. All you have is yours in that moment on that day, and you put it out and it's recorded, and it is what it is. And you may not like what you said the next oh, day. A hundred percent, dude. Yeah. That happens to me all the time. Yeah. It's just a, it's it's the risk, it's the risk that you take. But if 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 all we if all we did was consume ourselves with the anxiety that comes along with that risk, well nobody would ever say anything. <laughs> no. No, you know? that's true. So well, we got to wrap it up, guys. It's time to start this daggone annual hunt. Enough said.